you deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Get fired up. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah, you hear the theme song. The juices are flowing. Performance-enhancing audio in your ear hole. It's the SOC BC on the mic, MMA edition. Uh, A lot to review, a lot to preview, and a lot to talk about because one man has crashed the headlines at the moment, which has some potential fallout. Whether we're talking mixed martial arts, whether we're talking about pro wrestling, you know the man. What else can what else you want me to say? I mean, uh, uh, Merry Christmas to Brock Lesnar. It might be. It might be the holiday season and the Lesnar household free agency upon us. We'll get into that and more. And I got a guy to get into it with. Okay, we're talking about a UFC Hall of Famer, former light heavyweight champion of the world, an earthquake survivor. Always sweet, never sour. He's the tower of fine abs and ayahuasca power. It is 40-plus with an attitude. Rashad Evans in the house. My friend, it's early morning. Get fired up. BC, I stay fired up. What's going on, my brother, man? What is going on? That's what I'm talking about right here. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> fired up. We're going to talk Brock. Uh, we're going to talk to a lot of old guys. Anderson Silva back in a fight that I don't Ooh. think makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff. How are things in, in the life of Rashad? We saw you do a fantastic job on the uh, UFC on ESPN coverage over the weekend with uh, Karen Bryant. Uh, was that Mike the Mav by your side as well? That was. That was. Kiesa, yeah, he did a good job as well, too, man. Had a good time out there. Uh you know, those fights were good, man. Those fights were pretty good. Um, just that, 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 you know, the main event, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of maybe a little sad a little bit, you know, but we'll get into that later on. About that as well. Hopefully you stayed clean. Hopefully you didn't catch any Corona. Maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, then the Corona's going to get me. All right. It is what it is. <laughs> yes. Test these days. How are we doing on that? The testing is good, man. I can't complain. Uh, you know, it's very efficient. It's very efficient. You know, they, they make, once you go there and uh, you, 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 they, they take you to the tent, they test you. After that, you go to your room. It's, they lock you down and you, you come out the next day. But the thing about it is it's very safe. It's very effective. And they have a pretty good rate with keeping people safe. So. They do. We're on a good run there. A lot better than our country and other sports leagues as well. Uh, we'll keep the political commentary for the Patreon edition when we talk nothing but uh, uh, politics and boobs. Thank you very much. One day we'll do that. It'll be called SOC After Dark. Actually, the SOC is going away, not to you know uh, bury any leads. The state of combat in your ear hole. Uh, new name, obviously, with the merger of what's going on on all things morning combat. Showtime, CBS, Luke Thomas, myself, Rashad in the family, in the house. Uh, eventually we'll be under that MK flag, but we are playing out the final days of the SOC. A lot of great stuff to talk about. Thank you for listening, uh, whether you're in your car, grocery shopping. Rashad, do you, wh- where do you listen to podcasts, if you do? If you even do. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to speak for your life. I mean, normally, if I do listen to a podcast, it would be like on YouTube or something like that. That's, that's what I do. I like YouTube to, uh, Pre-COVID, of course, I like the grocery shopping podcast routine. Uh, Hey, I got to rake a lot of leaves for two hours. Let me put the podcast on for the distraction. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. I feel you. All right. All right. That's it. That's it right there. Uh, <laughs> lots going on in other sports. Rashad, you hooked on the NBA playoffs or is this a moot point? What's going on? I'm not, I'm not with it. I haven't been really following it. Um, I did, however, catch uh, a little bit of the Lakers game the other day, but just, I don't know, it's hard for me to get in. I just can't, I, I don't feel the energy. I, I used to feel the energy just watching the crowd and hearing it, and the game just doesn't sound the same, you know? So. I hear you. Uh, it's another reason why it, it, UFC right now, indisputably, your your MVP of this quarantine. They're, they're hitting every note. Big fight's coming. They got the experience right. It hasn't missed a beat. Um, and also, let's not forget, uh, football's threatening a comeback, too. And uh, let me tell you folks, this week, 
CBS Sports launching a new podcast, but with familiar voices for more than a decade, of course, Fantasy Football Today has been delivering league-winning analysis and advice. Now they're coming at you fast, all right, with a brand-new feed. Don't worry, the, the old one will stay the same, but this new one, Fantasy Football Today in 5 podcast, is, uh, is your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer or your money back. The FFT crew will break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick-hitting format. Uh, not all of us are sitting around all day in our basements, all right? Rashad Evans, he's a busy man. He's working out. He's, he's mentoring young fighters. He's broadcasting. I think even he has five minutes to let the FFT crew deep in his ear hole and available first thing in the morning on Monday through Friday. Download and subscribe today. Fantasy Football Today in 5 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers. And anywhere else, fine audio is found. And please, tell them BC sent you for 5% off. All right, that's all I got to sell this week. Uh, Buy Coach Trevor Whitman's gloves. Thank you very much. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Here, a little pause for the cause. On the other side, though, hey, Brocktoberfest, what's happening? Where's he going? A free agent, all that and more. Uh, The end of Robbie Lawler, maybe. A lot of teasers here. We'll see what we got on the other side. We'll be back. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. In your ear, it's the SOC. BC, Rashad Evans, guaranteed, as always, to impress you. I'm not impressed by your performance. All right, Triple G, or uh, GSP, sorry. Remember GSP wearing those jorts in that Matt Hughes moment? What are we we doing here, Rashad? What's what's happening? (laughs) <laughs> Our guy, a little bit of a square. We love him, though. We love him, of course. The great, the great My friend, player. don't say that. Don't talk bad about me. Tabernacle the colors. Uh, are, are you drunk? I think you should shut, shut up. You're embarrassing yourself. Right are you now. drunk? You're embarrassing yourself. Shout out to GSP. A, ge- a true gentleman. Would you say that? A true oh, gentleman? yeah, man. He, he's the best, man. He is the uh, best. All right. Let's bang. Let's Brock. Let's do this thing. Do we have Brock audio? We always have Brock audio. I've got one. Um, and I got it from your mom. All right, here's the deal, folks. Uh, Brock Lesnar, your former UFC champion, uh, was under WWE contract. Uh, and, and if you haven't been woke to what's going on in the wrestling, Rashad, it's been obvious the last, last, I don't know, five, ten years. Anytime it's contract situation for Brock, we kind of see him throw out the idea of fighting, of teasing a UFC comeback. And what does that usually lead to? Vince McMahon opening up the pay, bu- you know, the paycheck there and locking him down exclusively. And, uh, and it's been a bait and switch routine, but it's worked for Brock. He's making stupid millions in WWE for really a part-time schedule. He's a, he's an attraction, if you will, but now he's a free agent and the key, you know, sort of inside uh, Mark Ramundi of ESPN getting confirmation from multiple sources is that WWE has not looked to resign him right now. So that tells you a couple things, Rashad, uh, you know, maybe they're just not willing to pay that price anymore. But what it tells you is this could be, could be a very interesting free agency season if Brock Lesnar is still motivated to fight. Whether he looks to, uh, you know, come out publicly, which he hasn't yet, to just drive up his potential offer and coming back to WWE, whether he's looking to go across the street pro wrestling-wise to AEW, or whether he's looking to get the most money for the most bang in fighting, which, again, he hasn't confirmed, but we sort of know his fighting spirit. He likes money. He likes big challenges. At 43 years old, Rashad, is this news? Does this matter? Could, could you imagine seeing Brock coming back inside a, a cage of some form and throwing some fists? 
Absolutely. I mean, hearing just Brock Lesnar being a free agent, you know, if you're any kind of, uh, you know, combat sports agency, you definitely want to take, take a look at that, you know, especially if you're UFC. I mean, you know, Brock is going to bring the viewership. If he comes back to the UFC, that's going to be huge. Either he fights John Jones or Stipe or any, you know what I'm saying, or just anybody uh, for that matter. Um, you know, there's potential for him to go to other places too. But, I mean, he could get Bellator, the, the boost that it needs, but they, they got to be able to pay that ticket, you know what I'm saying? But it's exciting to see Brock Lesnar to be able to come back because the thing about it is also is the fact that he's kept himself relatively fresh because he, he's been doing the, uh, the wrestling, but he hasn't really been – pounding himself on a road and doing a lot of stuff. He, he picks his schedule and he, you know, he keeps himself pretty fresh. So he could come back and be dangerous. He absolutely could. And, and, and if we're being honest, there's a short list of people available to the UFC, whether on the roster or not, that you're like, that's a slam dunk pay-per-view brand, a million plus against anyone, you know, a chance at 2 million. If you're super creative, look who, who fits that list these days. Uh, uh, Conor McGregor, Maybe Ronda Rousey if she came back, and Brock Lesnar. I mean, really, who else? Who else can enter that zone? You know, maybe a Nate Diaz or a Habib if they got the Connor rub. But there's very few people where you're like, I don't even know the opponent. I'm there, and at 43, you got a great point. Hasn't taken on a lot of damage. Uh, if I if you had to ask me, gun to my head, you know, what's the end game? I think the end game is somebody panics, and maybe that somebody is Vince McMahon. Maybe they get a discount on re-signing him. But, you know, you'd think that this life suits Brock the best. We know he lives up on the farm there, in, uh, whether it's South Dakota or it's up in Canada over the border, and he's buying acres left and right with his millions, and he lives a very quiet life. You're not going to see him on social media. You're not going to see him out there talking trash. It would make sense to keep up this every couple months thing with WWE. But, Rashad, tell me if I'm wrong from – gauging him from the outside looking in in recent years yeah he's an opportunistic he wants big money we saw him go in the cage and do that pro wrestling crap and push dc after cormier knocked out stipe but i do believe the fighting spirit is a guy who gets bored of the wrestling every few years right and just look i don't mind getting my ass kicked i'm an old school you know old school wrestler meaning amateur wrestler i want to compete i think i'm the baddest in the world if i get the right training camp and maybe the right pharmacy, Rashad. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sue so <laughs> me. We've seen it. All right. You check the blood from UFC 200. The guy looked like he was on horse tranquilizers. But I think there's still a want inside of him to just have fun and fight. I mean, is that? Do you are you getting that picture? No, I get that picture. You know, I met Brock a few times, and uh, you know, you can tell that Brock is a fighter through and through. He just got that. That, that spirit to him, you know, you can feel he's got that competitive nature to him. And even just watching him fight, you can just see, you know, he, he's, he's definitely in it. To be somebody like Mark Hunt, you know what I'm saying, you don't beat him just because you juiced up. I mean, I mean listen, his, his advantages that he has with the, just the, the grappling, the wrestling, and, and, his, and his pressure with the punches, I mean, that's, that's no joke, man. You know what yeah, I'm saying? So. From Mark Hunt. Let's yeah, he, took, he, he did take some bombs. He did take some bombs. And he looked as if like his stand-up got better in that time because he, he had to close that distance with a very dangerous striker who knew he was going to take him down. That was so, the S to the gills? A million percent. 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 percent, 1,000 percent. But, I mean, if you take just that, that Mark Hunt and then you take the idea, the fact that he's been keeping himself pretty fresh, you know, and, and his body has to feel good, mentally fresh, this dude probably can come in and, and, and do some work, especially at the heavyweight division, where, where you see guys kind of come on later on in their career. You just seen Fabrizio Verdum, you know, su- submit Alex, uh, Alexander Gustafson. I mean, at the very least, at the very freaking least, to just be a giant pay-per-view dance partner for another big name, I do think he's still competent enough to put up a fight in any of these fun matchups we're, we're, we're going to throw out in a second and sort of entertain because – and look, if he's juiced to the gills on top of it, that motor, that that just freak athleticism, look, like, I don't care who you are. Like, we've seen it. You know, eventually, if you get a Kane Velasquez, you're going to pick Brock apart and expose him. But he has a chance to disrupt anyone at this point, especially at heavyweight when the age later, everything you're saying, juiced or not. I'm a white boy, and I'm Jack. Deal with it. Well, we, we dealt with a couple of things, too, there. But, uh, look, I think the competitor in Brock is real. We hear that all the time. You are not better than Brock Lesnar. And you will find out 
I'm fighting. Um, I think he believes that. So let's get down to the brass tacks here. If this does not end up being a let me use MMA as much as I can to get Vince to, to give me the number I need, or even to go to AEW, which Rashad, we don't have a wrestling podcast these days, but you are an AEW talent, quote unquote, yourself right now. You know, hey, look, Mike Tyson's bodyguard, uh, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, that's a whole separate topic. If he, I mean, look, we all love the uh, Monday Night Wars in the 90s, right? You, you were hooked on that. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Versus uh, WWF back then. Oh, we yeah. could, I'm not kidding. If we could actually have that. If AEW and the Khan family who co-own what? Or, you know, they, they have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They own an English yeah. league soccer team. They got a yeah. shot, okay? They oh, wanted yeah. oh, to make yeah. wacky and interesting and make this a bidding war. I don't even care that Brock doesn't fit in in what AEW does. You just drop him in the center of that. It's a thing. I don't think that's right. going to happen. All right, so let's say he goes. But that, I mean, that would be that would be huge, though, massive. It'd be freaking ridiculous. Okay, I mean, that'd yeah. be that would be. You know what I'd do right away? Uh, this is old school Bischoff coming out of me, Rashad. I'd take the Wednesday night AEW shot, put it on Monday, straight up against Raw. All right, we got Brock, baby. All right, you gonna we gonna do this or what? You know what I'm saying? We're gonna yep. do this. Let's do it. All right, but Rashad, <laughs> let's stay in our lane for a second. Let's say he goes to UFC. I made this proclamation. All right, it wasn't on podcast or radio or national TV. It was in an office at ESPN in a planning meeting. But I think it was like 2011 or 12. We're sitting around. We're talking UFC. We're pitching story ideas. And I'm like, I'm telling you guys something. You ready? This is Mystic BC, okay? This is Brostradamus over here, your boy BC, okay? I sat there, Rashad, and I said, I can see the future. Here's what's going to happen. Eventually, John Jones is going to move up to heavyweight. He's going to become the two-division champion. He's going to cement his legacy as the greatest of all time. And I don't think he's going to lose against these guys at heavyweight. But I go, when he does make his heavyweight debut, Rashad, this was like eight or nine years ago. I said, I'm telling you, it's going to be against Brock Lesnar because he has the perfect st- uh, ch- style to just, you know, make, ro- make Brock run into a kick, you know, head kick to end it. It's a perfect style matchup. It'll be a giant pay-per-view. What's crazy about that, me saying that back then, Rashad, is there were multiple points along the way where it looked actually kind of likely, right? They were calling each other out years later. They, you know, they almost sort of had a dance there. As we talk right now, your former foe and current friend, John Jones, is all over social media trying to drum up interest to get Stipe to say, I want John next. Why? Because it seems Dana wants to go the direction of Stipe and Ganu too. And it seems that Stipe really doesn't have a lot of gain from that. Blah, blah, blah. We can get to that in a second. But John kind of, you know, wants and needs a big heavyweight splash. Rashad, there's no bigger heavyweight splash at the moment outside of winning the championship than fighting Brock Lesnar. It makes almost more sense now than it did back when Brock was still a legitimate MMA badass and was billable from the standpoint that we thought he can win the championship. Now it's just, it'd be an interesting fight. It'll be an interesting fight, and it also will serve another purpose. It'll also allow John to get the chance to get as big as he needs, and it will also allow Brock to get clean enough to compete in the UFC and pass the USADA program. You're so, right. Let's not forget he what he cut his, uh, his one-year suspension that he got from UFC 200 in half when he exited that, the USADA pool and uh, went back to WWE. So, uh, yeah, even if you basically announced tomorrow, Let's say it happened. Mm-hmm. Not tomorrow that that Brock Lesnar's back. You could schedule a fight six months from now and have him play out that suspension in theory. And if you gave John the time to get in and do those power squats, Be- those because it's good. Listen, it's gonna it's gonna take John some time to get him feeling as comfortable as he need to be to feel like he's big enough. You know what I'm saying? Like he he's he he's he's a guy who feels like he needs to be bigger and stronger than his competition you know he's not going to feel as confident as he he is i mean as he normally as you see him move if he doesn't have that if he doesn't feel bigger than everyone in a cage that's interesting that's and look this would be a dominant a monster pay-per-view for them you could sell just the fact that we don't know what john's going to look like at heavyweight and here's a probably juiced up bore that's good that has the doubt that has the opportunity to just cleanly take him down now look john's gonna win that fight in any metric at the end of the day rashad and we know that whether it was a you know defensive decision or whether he just straight up was video game john jones and and, uh head kicked him down but that's a massive get for ufc if it happens are there any other ufc fights before we entertain mr coker's idea 
that that would would have the, the the juices flowing for you because I like this setup way better than I like the idea of when he was going to fight DC for the title and it made no sense and he was a recovering steroid abuser. It just made it was it was a sleazy idea. I thought at that time. Is there anybody else outside of Jones you'd pop for in the UFC for Brock? Um, well. <sighs> No, not not particularly. I mean, you, you can't. Uh, there's no bigger names than than Stipe and Ganu and uh, John Jones and those guys like that. So they're all tied up. So if you're not including them, I, I guess anybody you put Brock with, you're going to have that, that 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 you know that interest too. But I don't think anyone off the top of your head. And also, here's the thing about it: if you wanted to put Brock in there with somebody that you know you can showcase Brock and show that he's a talent, you know, put him in there. Put him in there with one of the. Uh, the lesser lesser talented heavyweights, and you know, let them smash, and then you know you can build a bigger fight. Shoe, all right, Tui Tuivasa. Who you got? Straight up, you might have Brock Lesnar if if you saw it could turn a blind eye. I don't know. Piece of shit. He uses the piece of shit. I'm glad we never saw that fight. All right, but what's is we saw Ariel Hawani on the Twitter say, "Just talk to Scott Coker." CEO or president of uh, of Bellator MMA and Coker dropped something that I think came to a lot of people's mind rightfully so when this Brock free agency thing hit what about that that crazy sloppy dream fight Brock versus Fedor Rashad uh, as far as freak fights go that's that's one of the most intriguing freak freak fights you could make at the moment because you can make equal cases for both guys winning dominantly I think you could I, I honestly, this would be a great fight because they're both probably at the, the perfect time in their career. You know what I'm saying? They've got the perfect sauce for each other. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be hella competitive, I'll tell you that right now. You know, Fedor is still no joke with the power, but when it comes to just that ability to just dominate with that wrestling and, and, and positioning, there, there's nobody that, that I've seen that has that kind of pressure that Brock does. You know, he just has a downward pressure that he puts on people. Um, it's interesting as we're talking about, you know, would he mix things up and go to AEW and that'd be the ultimate sort of we're at war with WWE. I, I don't know the situation. I mean, we are a Viacom CBS property here. So is Bellator MMA. I don't know how deep the pockets go. I don't know the access to the cashola at the payola window here, Rashad. But if somebody high up said, you know what? No one's really competed with UFC in a while. Really? The Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix was the last time somebody made a giant dick swinging move in that direction, right? And what did it lead mm-hmm. to? It kind of led to UFC buying out their competition and eventually bleeding it dry. And oh, by the way, it was Scott Coker driving the ship at that time. And, you know, CBS does have a history in that, in that they were in on that Strike Force thing. They put that stuff on CBS national television. God, they put freaking elite XC and Kimbo. Kimbo, Kimbo, Kimbo. Yes. Yes, indeed. Let's not forget. It did like 7 million live. That was, that was amazing. That, that, at that time, CBS was doing this thing. It was, it was taking the lead with the MMA. You know, that that was a good time. I mean, that's, it's wild in, in hindsight to think about it, but those hip Kimbo fights were competition that mattered. It was on freaking CBS. CBS wrote about it. Like CBS sports. This is (laughs) you know, bloody elbow or something. You know what I mean? CBS Sports fucking wrote it. All right. I don't know the financials here, Rashad, but from that idea, no one really, you know, you can't compete with UFC. All right. We, I, we get, I'm not saying it's a real competition, but just from splash in the pool, let's just say there's a backroom vault at Viacom CBS. All right. They got the MTV money. They got all the money together. They go, we got enough for this. Let's splash the pool. How big of a splash would it be to sign Brock toward, toward the competition of the UFC to sign Brock Lesnar and string together the ideas of three, four, you know, really circuit Super Bowl fights? Oh, man, that'd be huge. That'd be huge. That'd make a big introduction and say that, hey, look, at we're here and we can be a player. And, um, you know, it, it also, like I said, be another good showcasing for, for Brock or whoever else they put in that spot because, I mean – if you get Brock just just looking as if like he's being you know coming in there like being that main guy, it's gonna bring a lot of attention, man. It's gonna look like it's gonna it's gonna look like some big things are popping, definitely. All right, if you bring him into UFC, 
you can sell a lot of money right away, whether you pick Jones or like we said, maybe you pick a heavyweight who you think he can beat. Maybe you try to build him a couple fight series, you know, to get him. But look, he's going to find an L Rashad quicker in the UFC. It is what it is. In Bellator, let's be honest, you could do a little bit more of that Kimbo Slice style matchmaking. Good God, no disrespect to Bobby Lashley. How many fat white guys did he fight under the Bellator banner, Rashad? All right, seriously, how many guys that, that were that were done working third shift at the Amazon distribution center, all right, and then got in the Uber because they were driving the Uber, showed up at the arena and got a chance to fight Bobby. We could go that route if you wanted to, but even if you went high profile, you still can find creative match make, matchups where Brock Lesnar could A, win, B, feel like the man, and C, become the face of your operation. Look, the Fedor fights a Super Bowl, but would you pop for him against Machida? Would you pop for him against, uh, I don't know, like a Mitrione Roynell? I mean, look, you, you, could you go wrong there? You really can't go wrong. No, you really can't. And here's the reality of the situation. Not to uh, bust on Bellator's heavyweight talent, but you wouldn't even have to really dumb down the competition. I think that he can still fit in with that competition because with the skill set that he has, uh, that dominant grappling game, that, I mean, you see what Bader was able to do at heavyweight, and that's pretty much the same game as you'll see Brock Lesnar have. So he could, he could go in there and match with some of the top guys. Even if he fought Bader, that would be a good one because Bader has cemented himself as such a legitimate heavyweight with the win of a Fedor. So that's a huge fight as well. All right, let me give you a plan of attack here, okay? All right, let me get you fired up for this if you care about this. And again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting something that's not there. I don't even know if Brock wants to fight. I don't even know if CBS would be interested. But let's just talk about it for a second, all right? All right, first we'll hear Rampage on Bader. Rampage. All right, here we go, Rashad. Um, you bring him back for the Fedor Super Bowl. It's the big one. It's the launching pad. He wins it, though. Let's say he wins it. It's possible, right? Fedor's going to throw bombs early, but has Bellator had a history of uh, – I'm not going to use suable words like lax drug testing policies. I'm just going to use lax drug testing policies. <laughs> yes, they have. Oh, man. Okay, oh, okay. All right? Libel my ass, all right? Um, Kimbo Slice failed the test, and they were going to promote him in Europe the next month before the heart attack. RIP, okay? It is what it is. Let's say he wins that. Let's say we do Frank Mir trilogy. Ooh, right? Okay. Mm, okay, okay, right? okay. And then let's say we start to build him on the road to Ryan Bader. And that road could be could be a little lengthy. And even if he loses to Bader, you're giving him a shot to be the Bellator heavyweight champion. That I think that would motivate Brock. I think. Who's who's ever been both the UFC and Bellator heavyweight champion? Nobody. No, true. Nobody. 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 So, that he 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 would. No, that, that's, that's, something, that's something huge there. And it can be something, like I said before, that would just, you know, cement Bellator in, in a different kind of way because they're still looking for that big blockbuster pay-per-view. You know, they need to have, you know, a big, you know, Conor McGregor-like attention to their organization. That would put their organization to another level. You know, it's just like, you know, everybody wants to go to Penn State. Why do they want to go to Penn State? Because you have Cal Sanderson there. You know what I'm saying? Just because... Once you have the talent there, people are going to come because they know the recognition is going to be there. So that can change tides for the whole organization just by making that one move. That's true. That's true. And Coach Sandusky could could change the tides in the opposite way by making many moves on children. All right, Rashad. I got one more feather, though, in this, in this Bellator Fedor plan, okay? All right? All that sounded great. But then this happens. What the hell is that? Oh, it's your cell phone ringing, Rashad. Uh, hello. Hey, Rashad. It's uh, Scott Coker uh, over here in Bellator. Yeah, yeah. Saw your abs on, online looking good, friend. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, of course I knew you were a free agent, right? You know, I've been trying, you know. Welcome to the Machida era. I've been having that in my back pocket as an idea for a rematch for a while, but I got a better offer for you. Um, you fought heavyweight at Tough, right? How about Brock? Yeah. Yeah, how about Brock Lesnar, okay? Showtime pay-per-view. The sugar against the damn Brock. What the hell do you say? Oh, my gosh. I mean, listen, that, that is a very hard thought process. And it's a very hard uh, – I, I got to think about that. I would have to really think about that. But here's the reality of the situation. There's no way. Because, <laughs> look, because I feel, I feel like, like – 
I feel like I'd be able to throw some ones and twos and catch him with a few things, but this dude is massive. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, 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 he's as my mom would say, Rashad, he is huge. You know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 I don't know, man. It was a bad one. It might be a bad one. I don't want to see, I don't want to see myself get ragdolled on national TV, man. I don't know if that'd be a good look, man. I'm like, holy hell, another skyscraper. Yeah, they were, hey, look, all right, but what would Mrs. Rashad say uh, how much they offer him? I mean, if listen, listen, if, if the right dollar amount came in, then, you know, you can rag down the hell out of me, all right, because I'll get in there. But if you're just talking about, yeah, yeah, just go in there and, you know. Rashad's like, dear, if I'm CBS, I will accept your cash to be a broadcaster, but if you want to open the vault, all right, then we can talk about Brock. Then we can talk. Then we can talk about Brock. Yeah, all right. Hey, maybe we'll just do Frank Mayer. I'm just getting nostalgic, all right? Why? Because, Rashad, let's be honest. The Brock run, that run, right? That run from the first Frank Mirror fight through the Kane loss, it's fun as balls. It, it elevated the entire sport, like the Conor McGregor run that came after or like the Ronda Rousey run. It's not so much about the person, it's about what they brought. Fun, right? We, le- we need those eras. It's great for the sport, all right? That's why I'm excited. I'm feeling it. Are you feeling anything right now? What's happening on my internet? I mean, if you weren't feeling it, you would tell no, me. No, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I just... No, nah, BC, listen, I'm feeling it. You know what? Listen, I'm excited for you because I know you're a big wrestling fan. And listen, I'm a big Brock fan. So this is the perfect marriage, him coming back. It, this could be something huge, BC. This is going right. to be something huge. But I'm not going to get myself all hyped up about it yet because he hasn't even announced what he's going to do. It's fair. It's, I'm letting my mind run away. That's what we do on the podcast game. Uh, Rashad, let's transition to uh, quickly on the John thing that I brought up. We know he wants to go to heavyweight. Um, is this getting shameless to, to send this many tweets saying why it's a better fight for him against Stipe? Because I agree. If I'm UFC, I'm, so, I'm saying Nganu, I'm sorry. John Jones is going to parachute in. You get the winner. I think that's the better path. Marketing-wise, you could argue that you do Francis now. Um, John's, John's getting, getting aggressive here. He's saying, hey. No, he, he is. He is. You know, it is. Yeah, he, he, he is getting aggressive. You know, he just, you know what it is? He wants to have the motivation. He wants to have the motivation dropping down, dropping up, going up to heavyweight, you know? And I think having a big fight will give him that. Am I cutting out? No, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. All right, loud and clear. Are you cramping up? No. My legs are cramping. My back is cramping. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought I was cutting out there. I didn't, I didn't know how much you had me there, but... All right, let's hit Rashad. What went down over the weekend? You were in the building, UFC Vegas, I don't know, 18? What are we calling it? UFC Vegas 8. And it was a main event at light heavyweight. Alexander Rakic and Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Rakic's the betting favorite. I said coming in, Rashad, I'm sorry. Respect to Anthony Smith. He beat a Hall of Famer in Rashad Evans one time, although we forget that ever happened. Uh, I, I said sell the stock. I turned out to be right. But Alexander Rakic, for the style in which he executed, which was very, I'm comfortable to lay on top of you, did get some haters, whether we're talking about Dom Reyes, whether we're talking about Justin Gaethje on Twitter. How did you view Rakic's uh, performance as a whole? It um, It was a strong performance. You know, he dominated in the area where he needed to dominate. He didn't take the risk, and I think maybe that's what people are talking about. He didn't really take the risk that... Um, that you would have thought that he he was going to take, but uh, it it you know he 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 showed he showed domination against a guy in the area where Anthony Smith shines. You know if if when you talk about Anthony Smith getting into that Lionheart mode, it's when it gets messy. It's when a fight gets ugly. That's when he comes out on top in those scrambling positions and catches guys in submissions and tires guys out. Right. That's when he comes alive. But with Rackage, he just couldn't do that. And even after the fight, he just said that Rackage was just too strong. He just felt like he was just way too strong. So that's another r- a wrinkle that he, that he unfolded. But on, on the way to becoming a, a champion, it's not always about having those 
you know, those highlight real fights. Sometimes you got to have those grueling fights because when you get to the next level and you're getting tested, you're going to wish that you had one of those grueling fights because that guy that you, that's at the highest level is not going to get knocked out off that one punch. But did it feel like he could have potentially finished Anthony Smith in round three if he had tried? Second round, I was okay with his pressure on the ground. He was punching. Third round, Rashad, I just didn't like the how content he was with top position. And maybe I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now, Rashad, if it wasn't for the way Rakic closed the fight. Maybe it doesn't matter. But with seven seconds to go, you're standing up, getting off the ground, and you're putting your arms in the air, and then you're letting out a, a lion roar, a belly scream of your accomplishment and saying afterwards, I'm ready for the title. Uh, you don't get to do that, Rashad, when you install a little lay and pray at the end. I'm, you know, am, I, am I being the, the guy who's never taken a punch in the basement who's saying, entertain me? Are you not entertained? I was entertained from an evolution, from a, hey, that's another great win. I thought you beat Ozdemir, by the way, Rakic. You're on a nice little run right now. Yes. But you can't do that and then call out the damn title. Am I wrong? Is there an unwritten code here, Fernando Tati? What are we doing, Rashad? No, nah, you know what it is? It's that we've seen something that Rakic hasn't seen in himself yet. You know, in his mind, Anthony Smith was such a step up, you know, just to beat him and just to be able to dominate him the way that he did was the biggest accomplishment because when he's like, we see the talent, we see where he can go. And he's saying that he's that confident, but he still hasn't. He hasn't really grown to that true confidence yet. You know, I think he's going to become even more confident after this Anthony Smith fight. But, you know, just to be able to beat Anthony Smith the way that he did for him was a big accomplishment. And he showed up as a main event. For him, that was a big deal. He didn't take the risk that you wish that he would have to show that he is that legitimate top, you know, I need to fight. I need to be in this conversation for title contention. He didn't do that, but he definitely developed, you know, that that, that okay, this guy uh, can be a force in the division. He did lose that split decision last time out to Volkanovsdemir again. I thought it, the judges got it wrong. But then Jiri Prochatska, or however we're saying it these days, sent that man to hell, Volkan, with a nice knockout in his UFC debut. Is Prochatska the right next fight for, uh, for Rakic? Because he ain't getting the title shot, right? That's going to be Dom Reyes for the vacant belt against Lahowitz, and then of course we've got Tiago against Glover Teixeira. It's a busy division. Do you run him in there against Prochatska next? I mean, Prochatska, he, he's a tough guy. You know, I think, I think with those guys, you kind of, uh, I don't know, if, I don't know if you want to kill both of those, those, those future contenders. You know what I'm saying? Those guys, both of you, if you build them separately, they can be somebody you can feed in there because, you know, you have the older guys like Glover Teixeira and stuff like that. He, he's getting a little bit old up there, so you want to make sure you have some fresh new talent to go in there and take that top spot so you don't want to – you know what? Yeah, it's a good matchup. Now, I'm, I'm overthinking it. I'm overthinking Here's why I'm overthinking it. This is, this is the area, era now where it's about – one thing I learned about this whole – pandemic fighting is that you just got to be ready to fight whoever, whenever, you know what I'm saying? And it's not so much about the long strategy. It's just about taking the opportunity and being ready to fight when it's time to fight. I'm with you on that. Uh, Rashad, those were some hellacious leg strikes that Rakic was landing on good old Lionheart. Um, who is the adult male who has kicked you in the leg the hardest? And can you explain to the layman what that actually feels like in a fight? Yeah, so who kicked me the hardest was uh, Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin in that fight. It, he, so going into that fight, I already had a huge hematoma on the side of my leg, on my left leg, and it was, it was sore. But it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. But then during the fight, Forrest was just digging in. Every single time he threw that jab, cross, he ended it with a leg kick, and it was just killing me and digging in there. And... Um, after the fight was over, my leg was so sore and so bad, I couldn't even touch it. And because I didn't touch it, because I didn't really push that blood out, because you have to really, really push that blood out once that bruise sets in. If you don't push that out, then it stays on there. And, and, and it becomes like uh, what happened to me is because I didn't push that bruise out, it stayed on my bone and it calcified. And now I have a huge osteophyte on the side of my of my bone it's like it's like my my bone grew another bone on the side of it and that's where 
from the kicks. Wow. Sounds sounds rock hard over there. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, you got a phoner on the side of your leg, Rashad. That's that's yeah, uh, a full time phoner the whole time. It, it, it's crazy. My leg my leg feels bananas, man. When people uh when people when people feel my leg, like when the doctors feel my leg, they're like, man, what happened? I'm like, yo, it, it happened from just, you know, getting kicked in the side of my leg. But when that so so what happens at home, when you get kicked in the side of your leg, it just deadens a nerve. And once that nerve is dead, like it's like you, you, you lose feeling in your leg. And then now they start implementing the lower leg kicks and now having the lower leg kicks is making it so that, you know, it's cutting off your, your, uh, the, the feelings to your foot. So now you're rolling your ankle and that's what's happening now. Like is and it's, and here's the thing about that lower leg kick. It's not really one that you could uh, defend. If a guy has really good lower leg kick, then the only thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to, you know, kind of pressure him or make sure every single time he throws it, you make him pay. Wow. 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 Um, they say, remember Muhammad Ali in the late seventies had that, that fight against Japanese wrestler, Antonio Inoki and people to this day debate whether it was a pro wrestling match, whether it was the first MMA shoot fight, whether it was both and no one really knew Josh Gross actually wrote a, uh, a book just about that fight. People say Rashad that because Ali absorbed like you know, a couple hundred leg strikes from Inoki in that fight that he was never the same boxing wise the rest of his career. And, and he lost all mobility. Uh, I could imagine that. I, I wouldn't want to take one of those. If I took one of those, I, I'd probably be like limping and at the doctor every day. And you, and these guys, and you, you freaking warriors, you barbarians of the cage, Rashad, just eat these things left and right. You know, you know what? I can, I can see that happening because what happens is once you start taking those leg kicks, like I said, you get those bruises, but if you don't, if you're not used to getting kicked in the leg, you don't know how to get rid of that and make it so that your legs come back because there's a whole, there's a whole process. You have to hit a massage. You have to really get in there to get it out, to get the, uh, the legs back because if that, if you have took some, you know, bad leg kicks and your legs start to scar, then your legs never do come back. All right. Shout out to massages there, Rashad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to Robert Kraft. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. I love a happy ending. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, well it depends where you go. Okay, Rashad. Uh, Anthony Smith, what do we do here? It sounded like he was um, lamenting the idea. Maybe I'm better off at middleweight, but that cut sucks. Uh, he's lost three of four against elite fighters. If we're going to be super critical, even the wins that made him a a, a legit contender, Ozdemir, uh, Gustafson, they haven't aged well either. What do you do if you're him at this point? I, well, I don't think dropping down is a move at all. I think that if he did that, that would be a recipe for disaster, and especially ever since he's been taking, you know, the punishment that he has at, at, at light heavyweight. You know, when you cut down, you, you – take a lot of water out of your body and your brain is the first to take the impact. So you can't take the shots anymore. So that'd be a bad idea. What he needs to do is he needs to just get on a, a weightlifting program and just, just get a lot bigger, you know, get a lot more athletic in, in his movements and things like that. You know, it's just, it's, he's not. So even watching a fight with Rackage, like he, he wasn't, he wasn't terribly beat, you know what I'm saying? But, but he, but he, because he, there were times in that fight where it looked as if like if he could have maybe had a little better energy about himself, then it, then he could have contested a little bit better in certain positions. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I thought after he, he fell down off of that leg kick series, I thought he was done. I thought the fight was going to be done after that, but he found a way to somehow survive and even, you know, cling on to certain positions. So I think that he still can be a contender in there, but he just got to get himself, in a better physical condition, you know, and also mentally speaking, it looked as if like he kind of was, che he checked out a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think he's been with, with the, with the beatings he's taken in some of these fights, he's just, he's coming back too quick. It feels like if I'm, if I'm going to try to be an armchair quarterback, uh, I would, I would seem like he just needs to re redefine himself mentally and find that, that alpha feeling again. Right. Like, you know, you got to, yeah. you got to go away to re to rekindle that. No. And that's, and that's the thing about it. Like, um, you know, Anthony Smith has lost 17 times, you know, so that means that, you know, he, he's had to rebuild himself over and over again 17 times. So, you know, he knows how to rebuild himself and he just needs to make sure that he, he takes the time to, um, you know, get away from himself or do the same thing that he did in order to, you know, make it so that we remember, we remember him, you know, because we, we, 
we only know him because of his second surge, you know, after he knocked me out and Shogun out and stuff like that. He can do that again because he's relatively young, but he just has to decide if that's what he really wants to do. And if he wants to do that, then he's going to have to change some things. There's another man who's going to have to make a hard decision, and that's uh, a guy we've established as one of our favorites to watch, without question, the all-action star, former welterweight champion, Robbie Lawler, who, Rashad, the right word, I think, is lifeless. He lost a wide decision to Neil Magny. He got grapple-banged and ragdolled. Uh, yeah, he tried for, for brief spurts in the third round to explode and land some shots, but Rashad, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is like Tyron Woodley all over again in the last couple of fights. I just see a a failure to launch, an inability to pull the trigger. And is that the same thing as, as being later years Chuck Liddell when, when the will is there, but you just, can't, you just can't stop the punches coming anymore? I'm sure the will is there when Robbie's training, but he can't, he can't pull the trigger in the cage. What, what are you seeing here? You're in the gym with him. What's happening with my guy, Ruthless Robbie? Yeah, it's pretty much everything you said. And, um, you know, no secret about it. I've been here before. You know, my last few fights in the UFC were, were this exact feeling. And just drawing on some of the feelings that I had at the time, you know, is I, I wanted to be there. You know, my, my will to, to want to fight, is, it was still there. But it was just something when it came to just, you know, execution, that it just was, was a problem for me. You know, I was just missing that that deeper fire, that deeper why behind it. You know, when you're, when you're chasing something, when you're trying to be the best and you still have this idea about what it is and what it means to be the best, you know, you, you chase that and you pursue that. But once that's all been discovered and once you understand what it all truly amounts to, that same desire is not the same. And you can't, and you got to be able to match that desire with someone who's never seen it, who, one who, with someone who's still hungry to get to where you just were, you know? So you have to redefine your why. And that's why, that's, that was my problem is that I was still trying to pursue things in the same mindset that I had before when I was, when, when I was, you know, when I haven't achieved, but then I had to change my mindset over to, to something different. And I think if Robbie's going to compete, he's going to have to change his mindset over, you know, and really make a decision on, on really why he's doing this. I agree with you. Uh, I don't think it's harsh to say if he looks in the mirror and, and asks himself about that, why, if it, if it led to retirement, if his, if his want is still to compete for the title, I don't see it. If his want is to cash checks or just compete, I think there's fun action fights you can make. In fact, matchmaking-wise, I'd go away from the wrestlers. And if he wants to still do this, I still think he can win fights and, and make it fun. But um, if there's anything where he has to make adjustments or try to win a strategy that's outside, like it's just not there anymore, Rashad. I don't see it. I don't see it there. I mean, I've seen him grapple better than that many a time in the UFC. I've seen his takedown defense much better than that. I didn't see the passion, and, and I don't want to see that because I love that. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't even, you know, the grappling was some position that I thought he would, he would lose in because Magny is so, such a beast with that consistent pressure and his gas tank on top of that. But what got me about Robbie's performance was just the, the lack of, uh, you know, volume, the lack of volume at all, just, just wanting to strike at all. You know, he just wasn't uh, pulling the trigger at all, you know, and, and, and that to me just kind of, kind of show that he was just overthinking in there. He's, he's thinking too much. He's just not being in a moment. He's having a hard time just dropping into that zone because when you drop into that zone, you're reacting and your training takes over. That's why we train so much is because we want to be able to just get into the cage and not think and just start to react. When you get into the cage and stop, just start thinking, then you find yourself watching your opponent and like two steps behind. And then, you know, you, you, can't, you can't win like that. Uh, Magni has won five of six right now, Rashad. But I don't, I don't know. I still don't see him as a top 10 fighter or a title threat. He's right on the edge of top 10, it would seem. Maybe he jumps in with this win. It's a big name he beat. But what's missing on Neil Magny from being a legitimate title championship threat? Excitement. Excitement like knocking somebody out with that one hit to quitter or just that, that next – you know, he, he's missing a little bit of sauce in, in, in his little in his, in his cell, you know, because, you know, when, when you watch him fight, he's very dominating, he's very efficient, and he has skills in all levels, you know. And quietly as it kept, he crept up on the, the, the uh, you know, the, 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 the records. He's crept up on the records right behind GSP, you know, uh, number, number two. So, 
you know, that that's something to to take notice of like, okay, this guy's just not only in there, you know, taking fights, he's establishing himself as with legacy numbers, you know. So he has that on his side. So now with the numbers on the side, now he just needs to just, you know, let it hang out a little bit. Let a little bit more of, of Neil just be Neil. You know, I feel like he kind of holds back in some areas. Rashad, to round out this card, you had a front row lookout, and obviously I, it was a good win for Alexa Grasso in her women's flyweight debut. Um, Ricardo Lamas gets a hard-fought win over Bill Aljo and, and kind of retired afterwards, and he's had a fun career. I don't want to look over that. The biggest story for me, though, was who the heck's this welterweight Sean Brady with the Red Devil tattoo on his back? Uh, that was a heck of a, a submission performance, second round over Christian Aguilera, and I thought Paul Felder was going to propose to him afterwards. He was so excited. Should we be looking out for this guy? Did you know about him coming in? You know, I just, I, you know, Mike Chiesa was talking about him and um, he was talking about that uh, Felder was really high on his kid and he was giving me, you know, we were watching some of his film and he was talking about, you know, how tough he is in the gym and things like that. So I was hearing a little bit of that about that, but I didn't really uh, expect to see what I've seen. You know, he was he was really strong, um, you know, really good stand up. I didn't think his stand up was really that good when I was watching him on film, but um, his stand-up looked like he got a lot better. And just, you know, the way he tell the story of the fight, you know, everybody has the way of their, their implementing the fighting style. And he really, you know, was, you know, he put it together really well. Uh, Hannah Cyphers was also a story, Rashad. Four straight defeats, her third defeat of since May within this quarantine. She was putting it on Mallory Martin for a minute and then suffered that submission loss. Uh, that's been, it's been a rough 2020 for Hannah, but she's been available, Rashad. Man, right? listen, Hannah Cyphers, a.k.a. Quiet Storm, you know, she dropped that overhand right on Mallory, and she almost dropped her and knocked her out. And it was like, you know, it, I was, I was, I was cheering for 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 a second just because I know that you know she's been getting her butt whooped for the last few fights, and just to be able to see her almost get her hand raised was exciting for a minute. But she punched herself out, and when she punched herself out, that next round she was like, she had nothing. You know, she had absolutely nothing, and uh, you know, Mallory came back and, and was really. Uh, you know, kind of almost embarrassed a little bit. You can kind of see it in her eyes. Like she was like, she didn't expect Quiet Storm to catch her with the overhand right like that. Yeah, indeed. All right, Rashad, this weekend, this Saturday night, not the deepest card, got a couple of uh, interesting things. It's UFC Vegas 9 from the Apex. That's an ESPN Plus card. Heavyweights, Alistair Overeem and Augusto Sakai in the main event. Rashad, I look at this, I go, all right, you know, I don't hate watching Overeem. I, I don't love him in a main event. I don't love me some Augusto Sakai, but the guy has won his last six. He's 4-0 in the UFC, fresh off a split decision, went over Blagoy. Uh, should I be higher on Augusto than I am at the moment? If I am, then, then puff, puff, give, okay? Um, I think so. You know, I was, I was at first, you know, you look at him and physically speaking, you're just like, oh, this guy doesn't look like much. But, you know, he kind of reminds me of, do you remember a guy named Paul Bonatello? The yep. headhunter. Do you remember Paul Bonatello? He's can, got he's yes, he's got a very, very Paul Bonatello type of style. So he has really nice hands and he has nice progression in his punches, meaning the fact that he throws one on top of another before you got a chance to react. And he has that ability to sprawl and brawl to keep the fight where he wants to. So this can be an interesting matchup. You know, yep. this could be an interesting matchup. One of the last old school just heavyweight tough guys. Like he wasn't Tank Abbott, but at the same time, he looked like he was changing your oil and picking up his kid from school after. You know, he just kind of looked right. Like and that's, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's and that's the thing that you and that's the hard thing about going against a guy like 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 the guy who Alex was going to go against because you know he's just not you know he, he just doesn't look like much at all. And those those are the guys that you need to watch out for. The guys that don't look like they're much, kind of look like the their skin is loose and they don't look like they're that strong because. They'll surprise you, man. They'll surprise you. Uh, the forty-year-old ask Oprah. Anthony Joshua. Ask Anthony Joshua, right? <laughs> the, the fat guys, the fat fellas, can fight, as uh, the great uh, Tyson Fury has said in the past. Uh, Rashad, the forty-year-old Overeem um, quietly has won three of four, and that only loss he had beaten Jairzinho Rosenstrike for like four and a half rounds until he got caught at the end. Uh, he hasn't really been against the elite level in a while, but he just he did knock out Walt Harris after Harris made that big mistake. Uh, I feel like we just always have this conversation about Overeem, but 
66th time he will step into a fighting surface as a pro MMA fighter. Uh, you know, still dangerous. He made it, he made Stipe tap once. He's still dangerous. Nah, he's definitely still dangerous, and he's gotten better working with Curtis Blades over there in Denver. You know that that seems like a be that seems like it's a very good fit for him. You know, he's been just growing over there in a different kind of way. And as a guy who's been competing as long as Alistair, it gets hard to just reinvent yourself all the time. Think about how many times he had to reinvent himself with all these different styles, all these different camps. So he's gotten a style right now where he's actually been able to implement the best of Alistair. You know, Alistair has really good striking, but he's now become so chinny because he's gotten hit by those guys so much. So now he's been able to close the distance and get the fight where he needs to in grappling positions and dominate and use that clinch position. He's dangerous in a clinch. So he's gotten better over the time. And, you know, he's gotten smarter. He's gotten, he gotten way smarter. He's gotten way smarter at controlling guys who are, uh, who are big, heavy strikers. You know, what he did to Jarzinho Rosenstruck until the end was looking like a great performance. I had no idea that he could be so smart and so cagey staying away from those big, powerful punchers. But he showed something in that fight. We're going to get OSP Alonzo Menafield at light heavyweight in the co-main. Sajara Eubanks is back. Uh, hey, Michel Pineda, the, the dancing uh, circus clown from Brazil, back here against Zalim Adamayev. I don't know who that other man is, but uh, I guess Michelle Pineda is worth watching, depending on your, your, uh, your, your love for his theatrics. So, uh, interesting card. I don't hate that Vivian Araujo Montana De La Rosa fight, but then again, I'm a mark for uh, some of these women's fights, Rashad, all right? Anything moving you? Nothing moving you there. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the last one you said with um, the, the, the Shogun guy and uh, Emma, Emma, Emma Di- what's his name? Uh, Ad- Adamayev. He doesn't have a yeah. win- so look there, there's a threshold i'm sorry no you know, no no that's name, but i don't okay there's a threshold all right if you have a wikipedia page there's a chance i've heard of you uh but anyway rashad that is the show for this week uh thank you for your service oh yeah anderson silva against uriah hall um i don't i don't want that to be the last one for andy can we make a fun fight can we get gsp off the up in the bullpen can we do robbie lawler do something fun this is like okay it's not that Silva Hall doesn't have the chance to be fun. Good God, it could be a brutal fight for all we know. I just don't see that why this makes sense as let's stage this as Anderson's, you know, retirement bout. What are we doing here? Well, because, I mean, it, it's one that he can win. You know what I'm saying? You, don't, you, don't, you, you, can, you can put him in there with somebody with a bigger name, but then, you know, then, then you have a chance of him, him getting a bad memory for his last fight. You know, why don't you have him in a fight where – he can actually shine. Not saying that Uriah. Not saying that Uriah is terrible, but you know their skill sets match up very well, and it, it'd be a good test for Uriah. You know, I, I think it, 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 it suits both parties. To be honest, BC. Maybe I'm just too Scott Cocarian in my matchmaking ways because I'm like, uh, can we do Andy Silva against Lesnar, please? All right, can we do it? Can we do? It? Can we just get wacky here? All right, can we have fun we with? Get crazy, right? It, it, could, it could obviously be a great fight. We'll see what happens there. Rashad, any closing messages for the people? They'll continue to follow you at Sugar Rashad Evans on all their uh, social vehicles. But uh, we're going to see you on the TV screen anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be there um, uh, next week, the following week. But I was going to say, did you, see that, um, <laughs> did you see that flyer that came out with, with me, Tyson, uh, Vandalay, and Vitor? Not. Me and Tito fighting each other? No. Yeah, there. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a flyer that came out. Is this was like, AEW? No, it, it was it was a fight card on Tyson Ranch. Ah, but that was not correct. No, it it, it wasn't correct. Somebody just like put it together as like a it was it was like an internal thing that uh, they were think it was like a concept that they were thinking about, and I guess somehow it got out. But uh, it, it it was pretty interesting. A lot of people were calling me and asking about it. Who were you scheduled to fight on this fake card? Uh, Tito Ortiz. Ooh, in a trilogy that that we. Yeah, so it would it would have been it would have been fade it would have been Fedor it would have been Fedor and um, in Verdun, uh, Roy Jones and Tyson, uh, Vitor versus uh, Vandalay, and me versus Tito Ortiz. Yikes! All right. Well, I, I would have gotten down for hashtag old guy fights. All right, that's my. That's my <laughs> that's how, I, 
All right. Uh, that is it for this week. Shout out to Mikey Mormile, our producer. It's the SOC in your ears. We're going to become the morning combat. Everyone in the same family, all going under the same banner, short enough. But big things to come in combat sports on CBS Sports, uh, whether, whether they sign Brock or not at Bellator, whether this is all just podcast filler. It was fun doing it with you, Rashad. Either way, uh, stay healthy, folks, okay? Take care of your own mental health, please. Let's win this battle. Uh, first and foremost, the quarantine ain't easy on any of us, all right? Put yourself first and take care of your loved ones. You got anything else? Wear your mask. You got anything else, Rashad? Oh, you're in Florida. They don't usually wear masks in Florida, right? <laughs> we reckless out here. Now, we, we take, we, we're pretty safe out here in Florida, BC. BC, we're pretty safe out here, you know, no matter what the news says. Tuck the chin. Keep it tucked. It's not open for debate. Uh-oh. The chin has to be tucked. Thank you, Michael. All right. Keep one eye open if you're Michael, because that's all you can. Wow, that was a bad joke. Hey, we're out of here. Uh, two words. We out. takes the stand in the new documentary as we speak rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on paramount plus rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases every song every lyric every video that you've ever been involved with they're going to use against you follow rap artist kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system this artistic expression is a confession i'm ready roll the tape watch the eye-opening new documentary as we speak rap music on trial exclusively on paramount plus head to paramount plus.com to try it free terms apply